Now the super genius, Mark Madden. Um, what do you think about the new... I can't remember what I called, sorry. Really? Awesome call. EX at 105.9. In for Mark Madden today, I am Tim Benz. Pedro Martinez tweeted some advice for Chris Archer, the Pirates pitcher. Archer has great stuff, but he is exposing the ball too early and away from his body. That makes him lack deception in his delivery. That's good advice, and Archer should take it. Also tweeting advice to him, David Ortiz, who said, Don't fall down when you swing. More Pirates talk coming up in just a little bit. Joining us right now, though, Neil Kulong from Steeler Wire. I work with Neil over there as part of the USA Today platform for all the NFL teams, including League Wire. Neil, good to talk to you again. How you been? I'm doing well. How are you? Neil, let's start off with the helmet rule debate and what you thought watching the Packer game and the news that's come out over the last uh, 24 to 48 hours here that the league already might start changing things. Uh, can they possibly do that before week one? If there's anything we've learned with the NFL, is that anything with them is possible. If they want to do it, they'll do it. It doesn't matter how infeasible or ridiculous of an idea it really is. And I think what we're seeing... Um, with, with the preseason right now is also something that I, I'm not sure we really could have anticipated, but officiating has become the storyline of the preseason. I mean, I don't even, I don't think anybody would have ever considered that was even possible before, but it, overall, we're, we're seeing a league that's trying to get ahead of, um, really a legal issue more than anything else, in my opinion. They're, they're trying to put, um, it, you know, the, the feelers out there to make sure uh, everyone can see very clearly that they're not at fault ultimately for the game that's being played on the field. They're doing everything that they can to make sure the guys aren't getting hit in the head, even though it's essentially impossible. So what they're going to do, and we've seen this now in, in several games so far in the preseason, is overcall absolutely everything to put it into the heads of everybody, um, any, anyone playing the game, offense or defense, that if you come anywhere close to the head, if you do anything other than uh, have your, your face going straight into the guy's stomach when you hit him, you're going to get penalized for it. And that, that's something that ultimately hurts your team. It puts your job at risk. Um, it, it's, it, it's an interesting move overall. I'm not sure what the results are going to be, but I, you know, like a lot of people, I, I have an ominous feeling that it's going to cost uh, teams games this season, and that's going to create another problem. Neil, I'm of the opinion that I actually wouldn't mind seeing the Steelers get a few more helmet penalties because at least that means that they've become close enough to ball carriers to tackle them. Yeah, I think the Steelers have done a great job in two preseason games um, avoiding the penalties and what would be fines during the regular season. But yeah, at some point... They're yeah, by not tackling guys and letting well. them run right by them into the end zone. It's concerning, isn't it? Exactly. They're, they're, they're going to have to get their helmet closer to the ball if, if they want to succeed. But at the same time, we've seen plenty of that the last couple of years out of the team. And, and you're, you're hearing the, the kind of hollow calls coming from a lot of teams. Well, we're not sure what we need to do. The bottom line is you have to make contact in some way, shape, or form. Um, you, you can tackle with your, your face mask facing the guy with the ball. It is possible to do that at whatever speed, wherever the guy is on the field. Um, the, the bottom line is it's not 2010 anymore. This isn't, uh, you know, James Harrison being blamed for violence in the NFL anymore. These rules have been in place for a long time. However it is they're officiating them today, a lot of what we're seeing penalized, yes, in the preseason are, are gross misrepresentations of what actually happened on the play, but plenty of guys are still getting hit in the head. It's not as if the problem is going away. The players are going to have to figure out at some point how exactly to hit a guy uh, who's catching a ball, hit a guy that's in the open field. And until they do that, this is going to continue. Neil Kulong with us from Steeler Wire. Neil, when it comes down to the 
Steelers' inability to tackle. How concerned are you about that? I am because this was supposed to be a point of emphasis. This is something they were allegedly working on more than anything else, and it still looks like it's very much behind the curve. Yeah, I think that that's the big thing I would say. If it truly was an emphasis, then you really do have a problem. And I, I understand that it's the preseason. They're not playing in the Super Bowl. But the bottom line is these guys are, at the, the absolute worst, want to be NFL football players. If, if they want to play in the NFL, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, they're, they're going to need to hit somebody. And if the, the amount of missed tackles that we're seeing, both from fringe roster guys and potential starters alike, it doesn't give you a good sense that they really did work on that in practice. If they did... Something got missed by a lot of guys. I mean, it, it's it's kind of shocking in a way. I mean, they really should be able to, to put more guys on the ground than what we've seen through um, the, the first two games. Now, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. It's two games. It is the preseason. Let's see how they adjust to it now the camp is over. Let's let's see where that emphasis um, you know comes out in, in these final two games. Let's see if there are guys that step up and have a really good game tackling somebody and, and, and see that momentum kind of carry over into the regular season. But I, a lot of eyes are going to be watching exactly that in, in their third preseason game. And in my mind, it might be a little late for that. Neil, on the positive side, let's talk about the two Jameses, Connor and Washington. I think that, to be honest with you, we could have seen a lot of this from Washington earlier in camp and earlier in the preseason if they didn't artificially deflate his reps with higher-ranking players on the depth chart and I think almost intentionally try to keep him down so as to not let his head get too big. That's never been a concern of Washington's anyway. And when it comes to Connor, I I like what he's flashing. I'm just not convinced that they're still going to use him all that much more once Le'Veon Bell returns the team. How about you? I think that question is going to be answered um, quarters one through four in week one. We're really going to see immediately how much uh, the Steelers really believe themselves when they say that Le'Veon Bell uh, misses training camp and he's going to show up ready to play. We did not see that against, um, well, kind of not really the same Cleveland team, but in, in the same stadium at least. We didn't see that from Bell at all last year. In my opinion, Connor looks good enough to think that you, you kind of have to incorporate him a little bit into week one. It's nothing else. I mean, I'm, I'm not suggesting Le'Veon Bell should be punished or anything like that. I just mean that you, you saw a, a, a lethargic Bell last week. They almost lost that game. I, I still contend to this day, if you put anything close to an NFL quarterback uh, starting for the Browns that week and not to Sean Kaiser, they would have won that game. I and mean, this, this is a much better Browns team than they saw last year. If Bell is anywhere close to what he was um, last season to start up, start things off and that keep in mind he's got 400 more touches on his odometer now if he's anywhere close to that they need to be quick in in assessing that um when when they're preparing a game plan and connor is going to have to be a part of that Um, as far as washington goes i agree with you i think to to some degree they're kind of artificially slowing him down a little bit and i I think some of that is um they don't want to put too much tape of him out there i don't think teams are totally uh um, they're not going to be in the know exactly what uh, the Steelers would want to do with a guy like him, but I absolutely loved him in college. I, I, it was amazing to me that he fell where he did in the second round. I could see that he might be a second-round pick, but uh, for, for the Steelers to have picked him up where they did was, was a steal, and I, I think he's going to have a great career ahead of him, and uh, we've seen flashes of that to this point. I, I think he's going to be used perhaps a little bit more uh, often than rookie receivers typically are in Pittsburgh. And, and you know, Juju Smith-Schuster had a great year last year, a lot of that really kind of came after a couple games. I think you're going to see Washington early for, for the Steelers this year. 
Neil Kulong from Steelers Wire as well as Touchdown Wire and Browns Wire too. Neil, you cover all of the NFL for the USA Today platforms, and I've seen a couple of your posts recently for Browns Wire. Boy, are they getting some run. In fact, there was a story that I noticed right before we came on the air about how much gambling action is going down in the Browns. Now, I get it. These are, in some cases, expert gamblers that are playing the margin lines more so than what they're actually investing in terms of who they think will win or who they think will lose. I understand that, almost like a stock investment kind of thing. But a lot of people, in fact, to the point that the Browns are getting more action in the AFC North than the other three teams combined, there's a lot of buzz about Cleveland lately. You brought up the Browns in the opener last year. How dangerous are they to the Steelers in 2018 to open the season? I think for for the Steelers, the bottom line is if you didn't play an 0-16 team in Week 1, you lost period. There, there wasn't another team in the NFL that would not have beaten the Steelers that week. They didn't play well at all. They looked terrible offensively. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser walked into seven sacks. I don't think the Steelers legitimately earned all but maybe one of those sacks. Um, for, for all of those things to happen, for the Steelers to, to still need a, a, a third and a miracle play from, from Roethlisberger to Antonio Brown um, to, to set up you know, the, the situation they had to close the game out, um, that, that's really bad, playing against the team that they were playing against. Um, you know, as, as far as the Vegas thing, it kind of goes into my second point with it. You have a lot of people betting on or just because of the Browns, simply because they added actual NFL players to their roster. I know it's a novel concept and all, but John Dorsey's getting paid millions of dollars to simply add players who should play in the NFL, not like whatever it is they trotted out on the field last year. Um, Jarvis Landry, I'm not saying he's Antonio Brown, but he's a good receiver. He's not Corey Coleman. Um, you, you still might add Des Bryant to that mix. That's, that's a possibility. Josh Gordon could actually practice one of these days and get on the field. He's a dangerous player. Tyrod Taylor is 20 times the quarterback that Deshaun Kaiser is, even if Tyrod Taylor is at best a, a, a middle-of-the-pack uh, NFL passer. You, you just simply improve by not having the, the junk that they had out of the field last year. They're going to be kind of competitive. So with that, a lot of people are going to say they're the Browns, they're terrible, they haven't won a game in however long. I'll take them, you know, whoever's playing them, I'll take them negative 10 all day. The reality is the Browns are a much more competitive NFL team this year than they were. Um, they, they might win six games. Now, obviously, six, six and 10 is not a good record, but for where they were, that, that's, a, that's a pretty remarkable accomplishment. And I, I think it's a team that, that has enough talent to be able to compete in most of their games this season, and it's not a very good AFC North. So you really look at it top to bottom. Why couldn't Cleveland steal a couple games this year and, and, and be kind of a tougher team to play? Pittsburgh's going to find that out in week one. I think Pittsburgh is the better team. I, I certainly wouldn't bet against the Steelers to win that game right now, but it, it's, you know, just going to, it's going to be exactly like it was last year. I think it's going to be a much closer game than people want to think that it will be. Yeah. You know what, Neil, to follow up on that thought. If you look at what Todd Haley has done well throughout his career as an offensive coordinator, even people in Pittsburgh, who were critical of him, have to admit he's lived up to that reputation of understanding a really good way to get the ball in the hands of his playmakers particularly well. He did it here with Bell, he did it with Jamal Charles, and from what I saw in preseason game number one, he's finding that with Njoku in Cleveland. And when it comes to the running backs, all three running backs did good things in their last preseason game against the Browns, excuse me, against the Bills. And as you alluded to, uh, the quarterbacks, each of them haven't looked so bad either. Yeah, I think um, it, as much as Steelers fans can, can gripe about Todd Haley, and there are a lot of reasons to do that, if you look at it from a 10,000-foot level, the guy has had a lot of success. 
uh, calling offenses, and certainly in, in Pittsburgh. And that is probably Cleveland's biggest ace in the hole, and it's not just because of Todd Haley himself as a play caller. It's the fact that he knows uh, who he's going up against. And I don't think Pittsburgh really has that same kind of advantage. You look at the amount of different players that are on the Browns roster now, you're not going to be entirely sure, and you're certainly not going to get it watching hard knocks, what the Browns are going to do. The Steelers don't have that level of foresight. Haley's going to know everything they're going to do. Um, I, you know, we're, we're, I'm not entirely buying into Ben Roethlisberger saying nothing on the offense is changing. That, that, that's not going to be the case at all. But overall, Todd Haley knows this team. He knows what their tendencies are. He knows what they're going to want to do, uh, particularly on, on defense, because he's gone against it for the last several years. You can't say the same thing about um, Pittsburgh's ability to prepare for the Browns. You don't know what you're getting there. So with that, Haley is, is good enough to be able to exploit uh, what he has on the field. And a guy like, like Njoku, that kid's a monster. You know, he, he was going to be a really, really good player. His issue was he couldn't catch the ball. And certainly we've seen that up to uh, this point in his career. And the guy was still a first-round pick. In fact, I'd even argue the Steelers would have taken him at 30 if the Browns didn't trade up to 29 to get him. So uh, it, that's, that's a team that has a lot of weapons. And it, it's uh, – with the the way that Haley has uh, you know kind of made a name for himself to to move the ball around with whoever it is that he has out there and get guys to make plays, that's going to be a tough assignment for the Steelers. Last thing, Neil, I want to bring up as we were talking about before, Roethlisberger spoke to the media today in the wake of the concerns surrounding his concussion. He says he didn't have one; just went into the protocol. I'm wondering how much you think it's important for him to play an extended period of time with the rest of the ones out there for the first-team offensive unit for the Steelers against Tennessee. Um, a lot of people are still mad at Le'Veon Bell for missing all the preseason last year. If he had been here this year, boy, he wouldn't have been playing with a lot of the ones anyway since they've done so little. That was, that was kind of my thought. I mean, the, the, the two years now that Bell has held out, um, you're looking at a, a veteran offense that knows what it's doing. It's not going to take a whole lot of risk in, um, you know, it, having their starters really go out there a whole lot, except for perhaps this game, where you want to get things in that the dress rehearsal environment. It makes sense for them to get out there for a couple series. Obviously, you're not going to do that with Bell, but at the same time, my thought always was, well, you don't want to get hurt. I, I get that, but you can get hurt slipping in the shower. You know, I mean, it, it could happen anywhere. He's not going to get a whole lot of contact in preseason games. Maybe they don't give him a, you know, much of a run in training camp either. I would think that both sides would be – you know, pretty open to the idea that he enters week one healthy. And at the very least, he's, uh, you know, run some snaps uh, behind whoever it is that they have blocking for him. I, I would have thought there would be some value to that, but that obviously isn't, uh, the, you know, that, that's not enough to make up for the risk that he would take on. Um, outside of that, I think it is important to get a, a couple of series for the offense, if nothing else, give them a reason to kind of, you know, go on the sidelines and, and joke around, laugh with each other during the rest of the preseason. You know, you try to let them have a little bit of fun. Let them go out and hit somebody else for a change. I, I think there is value to that um, leading into the start of the season. I mean, nobody, you know, basically there aren't any uh, positions kind of up for grabs uh, within the offense anyway. I mean, there are backup roles and everything like that, but let the ones get out there and you know, have some fun. You know, try to, to get them excited about what they're doing, what they're going to see, and sweat a little bit as opposed to just kind of standing around in the humidity. Let them get out there a little bit um, just to enjoy the game that they're playing. I, I think that, by and large, is what they'll do in week three, and I, I think that's enough um, for a, a veteran group to uh, to get together and get ready to play the regular season. Neil, look forward to another year at Steelers Wire as well as Touchdown Wire and all the other Wire platforms for USA Today. Uh, hopefully people read you and all of the other writers there throughout the course of the season. Thanks for coming on today on The X. 
Definitely, Tim. Thanks for having me. All right, that is Neil Kulong from Steelers Wire, as well as Browns Wire, and like we said, Touchdown Wire. You can follow any one of the teams that you like in the National Football League on the Wire platforms via USA Today. We have a Starling Marte update. We'll get you that in just a few moments. This is kind of interesting. Also, when we come back, James Franklin as the most overrated coach in America. Do you know how hard it was for me to run to the aid of James Franklin? I've taken three showers today. It's 105.9 The X.